Hey everybody, Larry Roberts here, and I wanted to see if I could get you to do me a favor. If you're listening to the show and you enjoy what you hear, head over to iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show. This guarantees that you get the latest and the greatest content from the Readily Random Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking to you very soon. And now it's time for another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. What is happening, everybody? It is a beautiful morning here just north of Dallas in the great state of Texas. And we find ourselves once again participating in one of the greatest events in the podcasting space, and that is PodMax. So I am going to have the opportunity to meet three new individuals today, and we're going to do episodes with each and every one of them. So why not get started right now? My guest this morning is on the other side of the PodMax setup. If you haven't listened to any previous PodMax-type episodes, it's where I host guests that are also a part of the PodMax experience, and they are there to tell their stories, to share their experiences, and to hopefully provide us with maybe one or two little bits of life lessons in there that we can learn from and we can apply to our own entrepreneurial journeys. So today I have GoRev with me, and GoRev is going to share his story with us. GoRev, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you, Larry. This is, uh, this is great. I'm glad to be on. Well, it, it is a pleasure, you know, and it's it's fun because today, especially, we don't know who we're getting matched up with. So they, you know, we start off in, a, in in one room on Zoom, and I believe the last time I looked, there was thirty, almost forty participants in there, and then we just we get pushed to individual breakout rooms. And I saw it come up and say, "Okay, go join room number one, Larry," and I didn't know who I was going to get matched with. So that makes it even more exciting because you, you got those nerves of. I hope I can make this work. <laughs> I, I know I share the same sentiments. I, I did not know what was going to happen. So this is great. This is a great start. So um, I'm, I'm loving the, the time difference, the culture difference already. I'm based in, in Europe. You're in, you're in Texas. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, I'm kind of loud and brash and I've never been <laughs> to Europe. But my understanding is that it's a little more laid back, a little more chill over there than it is over here in the, the big state of Texas where we're rounding up cattle and, and still firing our six guns, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm presently in Lisbon in Portugal. I was in, in the UK right before. And um, just, you know, the, these strange times, it just uh, it seems to stir up different sort of responses with different countries. I actually moved to the UK from San Francisco. So I'm very connected to my friends, my close friends in the Bay Area. And, you know, just uh, it's really interesting to observe the, the way the pandemic sort of unfolding in these different areas and how sort of opened up these businesses are or shut some of these businesses are. And, yeah, we, we're just living in these interesting times. It, it, it's, it's real interesting. And I've, I've made a note of it a couple of times already this year in that, although for a lot of industries, as you mentioned, it's been very heartbreaking. It's been a very difficult, very trying time. Uh, but for other industries, such as podcasting, it's been a, a relative boom uh, this year because we've had the opportunities to maybe meet some folks that we wouldn't have met previously 
because they would have been distracted, not necessarily distracted, but they would have been further involved or immersed in their businesses at the time. Yeah. But this is opening up opportunities for us to reach out, to meet new people and network with new people and even learn from other people that maybe we wouldn't have had that opportunity had we not been in these most trying times. Yeah, you're exactly right, uh, Larry. Um, the what I've noticed is uh, the, 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 the folks who are already in that world, the podcasting world as hosts, they've benefited greatly. But then it's also opened up doors to people who have been in sort of crossroads in their careers or their careers have sort of had been sort of on, on hold. They've kind of uh, started this as well. And it's, it's yes, yeah, such a great medium. I'm glad we're living in a time where podcasting is rife and happening as opposed to, you know, back in 1918 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1918 would not be my preferred uh, time frame to, to live in. Now, if I was from 1918, I'd probably be like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, we're getting all kinds of cool new stuff and yeah. new technology is emerging. But coming from, from now to go back 100 years, eh, probably not. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> So tell me more about what you do. What is your business? And how are you looking to expand your business or bring more awareness to your business through today's PodMax event? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that. I'm the founder. My name is Gaurav Dudoria. I'm the founder of Mammoth Analytics. And what we do is, is make data accessible to the non-technical people, basically. You know, in a very sort of crude way, I just say it's big data for dummies. Um, it's, uh, it's a problem. and the the problem is something that I realized a while back uh, when I was in San Francisco, and you know we've gone through an interesting journey, and now I'm based in London. I'd love to just talk about some of that and some of the learnings around that, please. Um, but just to fast forward first, and then then I'll go back. What we do is 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 make data accessible to just general people who are smart, who are doing their things, and who happen to have all these layers in trying to get make sense of of how businesses are running or how their companies are doing and we, we try to remove all the friction make and just uh, solve some of these problems so just back in the day I, I was in um, San Francisco I used to work as a as a software person in the ad agency world and uh, we were doing some interesting technology projects for companies like Microsoft and Nike and Sony and it was cool. I'd, I'd fly from San Francisco to Redmond every now and then, and we'd be doing some really cool, interesting stuff as a team. Then the last couple of years, uh, I got pulled into the world of data, and it was uh, not a pretty sight. The, the problem was, uh, you know, someone like Nike, for example, they'll, they'll launch a brand new shoe, and they'll have, let's say, a 5 or $10 million campaign. They'll spend all this money. The agency's responsible for spending this money into all these various channels. Nike now wants to know, hey, how did you spend the money? What's the ROI on this? What's Give me some data on this. Give me some reporting on this. And so you have these marketers who are sitting on all this data, strategy folks, the business analysts who are sitting on all this data. That's, you know, the data is sitting on Facebook and Google and all these different places. You need to bring it together and, and try and make sense of it. So, they, so the marketers, they know what to do with the data, but they don't know how to do it. They would hand it over to my team, which, uh, and we knew how to do it, but we didn't know why and what we were doing. So there was a lot of back and forth. 
and it just was a highly inefficient process. So I quit with this idea of wanting to solve that problem. What was interesting was it was the first time I started a company. So regardless of whatever problem you're trying to solve, uh, there's some generic sort of learnings if, you know, for any founder uh, trying to start a company, you know, I was super confident about every ability of mine. I, you know, I thought I could do it all. It was sort of a solo project. It was very apparent early on that, it, you know, you need a real team around you. It's, it can't be a solo thing. And, you know, it took a couple of years uh, of falling and starting up again and falling, starting. Uh, a lot of, I have a lot of scar tissue for this. But along that journey, just on the business side of things, what was also clear was the, the problem, uh, the, the, the issue of the domain expert who could be a marketer, who could be a biotech person, who could be a finance person. They are, there, there's a lot of friction for them to get access to data just across the board. It's an endemic problem in every industry. You, there are certain people who know how to do things and there, there are other people who know what to do. And there's just a lot of back and forth. And so the goal has always been to remove all that friction. And then uh, for, for a bunch of reasons, geographic reasons as well, San Francisco, if you're ever trying to bootstrap a company, you know, you have to hire talent. It's an expensive city. I don't know if you've, if you've been rent is high. In general, like there are some serious companies vying for, for solid talent. And um, so if you want a solid team, you got to, you got to pay the bucks and that, you know, so that's why the, the, the VC market is pretty big there and uh, your money, whatever you raise doesn't go a long way at all. It's just last maybe a couple of months, a couple of years, that same amount of money, if you, if you put it potentially in another country that is also thriving can last longer, it has a, has a better runway. So that's what I attempted with the move to London. London is, is, it lacks certain things that Silicon Valley provides, but it's got some incredible talent, creative talent, people from all over Europe. It's sort of a magnet. So some, there's some real skill there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically the story. I mean, I can keep going, but you know, that's, that's sort of the bottom. No, line. no, no, that's fine. L let me ask you something real quick sure. for those that are, are relatively unfamiliar with data and working with data. Sure. You, you've already used the term big data, and yep. you mentioned uh, essentially what you're trying to provide is big data for dummies. Yep. Can you define, and you, and you already have defined it, but for those that aren't familiar with big data, they may not have caught the, the definition of exactly what big data is, but could you give us just a high-level overview yep. of what big data means? Yeah, so that's a good, great question. Um, big data for a super technical person means one thing. But for the normal common folks, if your data doesn't fit into Excel, then that's big data, essentially. Like, you know, it, right now, if, if you really, if Excel might, or, or Google Sheets doesn't work for you, then if you don't know how to code, if you don't have access to coders, then you're in, you're in trouble, basically. And you, if you need to deal with that data. So, so, yeah, if Microsoft Excel doesn't work for you, then your current options are learn how to code or hire a coder. What we do is provide this third option and it's a simpler option. It's a, it's a, it's a software, uh, it's a cloud-based software company. And uh, we basically remove all the friction points 
And just uh, really quick, in the world of data, there are various steps. There's your raw data that's sitting around somewhere, potentially in multiple places. And ultimately, what people need from that are insights and real nuggets of information that they can take and, and do some actionable stuff out of. To go from raw state to insights is never just a click of a button. You have to firstly bring all the data together. Then you have to clean it up. So there's this concept of garbage in, garbage out. So typically when you, when you get the data in, it's never in a, in a clean state. So you need tools to do stuff with it. Then you need tools to analyze it. Then you need tools to visualize it. And these bringing data together, storing it, cleaning it up, analyzing, visualizing, these are required different skill sets, different technologies. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard uh, problem to solve. And what we've built is this one product, one platform that covers all of that and solves it in, in one platform. And not only that, it lowers the bar on who can do this. It's a code-free uh, product. Anyone can just pick it up and start using it. So essentially, and let's just back it up just, just a little bit. Sure. You had mentioned if your data was, if there's too much data for it to fit in Excel, then you're, you're dealing with big data. And to put sort of a number to it, currently Excel allows for 1 million rows or 1 million records yeah. of, of data. If you look at every row in Excel, you can call that a record or a row yeah. in database terminology. That's a yeah. record. So if, if you have over a million records that you're dealing with, for instance, over a million transactions over the lifetime of a business, or uh, it, it can be applied in a variety of different ways. You can have records that cover your inventory. You have these many SKUs, you have this much inventory, you have this much sales that can apply to sales finance. Every aspect of the business can be translated to data exactly right. or records. Yeah. So generally they're organized in a structure that deals with files and each file is usually specific to a certain business function or one aspect of a certain business function. And then within those files, you have fields that you break down. Is that correct? Exactly right. Well, yeah. So you know your stuff. You, you, you've got, <laughs> so you've got your fields can be looked at as columns in Excel. So your records run horizontally and a record encompasses all of the fields for that record and all of the fields go across the top and they run in columnar fashion yeah. and all of the fields all reside in a file. The file then resides in a database. And that's exactly what you're doing, I assume, with your application that resides on the cloud side. You're organizing all of this data in a fashion that makes more sense and it's more easily accessible exactly right. to the non-analyst type individual. That's exactly right. Well put. I think I think I need you on this on my team to be to to articulate this more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my resume. Perfect. No, I'm just kidding, but but so, so what exactly led you down that path? And tell me more about the platform that you've developed. How does that work? And do you use it in conjunction with, with other analytical platforms, uh, such as you know the Microsoft BI platforms? Or do you use it? Yeah. How did all that come about? Yeah. So just going back a little bit, volume is one problem in the big data world. Uh, so, so, you know, Excel has its limitations. But it's not only the volume, it's they use these, this, this term, the three Vs. So there's volume, there's variety, and then there is velocity. And so we c covered the volume part. The variety is um, 
when you have data sitting in a couple of different places and you need to sort of bring it together and look at it in a holistic way before you make any decisions. And Excel is not great for that either. And then there's the velocity of the data, which is it's, you, you might just have a thousand rows, but if it's coming at a certain speed, let's even if it's like 10 rows every minute and you, and you need to do stuff to the data before, like let's say you need to do some calculations or remove certain values or things like that. I mean, this is just common sort of practice that every, everyone has to do. Uh, and if you have to do that every time or every minute or every hour, then that's just repetitive work. So, you know, all these things and either in isolation or a combination, these three Vs, they, they contribute to this big data problem. And, and Excel and, and, you know, Google Sheets and stuff, they're great. I, I use it all the time. But what happens in today's corporate world is when you're sitting on a lot of data that, that is in all these different places and, or it's big, what the database engineers do is they'll open up this terminal, they'll write some code and retrieve stuff. And so the way it currently works is you have a, have a business person that tells the database person, hey, can you get me this information? And so when this database person has time, then they'll be like, okay, yeah, end of the day, I have some time. What do you need? I'll write some code, bring it, there you go. And then that business person uh, is like, no, 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 that's not exactly what I meant. Sorry, I meant something else. Or, you know, I, I, this is interesting, but can you give me something else? And then the database person like, oh, uh, sorry, I'm like busy for the next three hours. I'll get back to you. So there's this constant back and forth. And so what we do is uh, provide an interface, a, a sort of a very sort of a simple interface, drag and drop stuff, just to, instead of writing code in that terminal, we just provide that interface that sort of sits behind a database. And so now you don't need to go through the database person. It, it, it helps, it, it removes headaches, not only for the business person, but also for that database person who's typically doing other, other stuff. I don't know if that explained uh, what you were asking. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So basically what you're doing is, depending on the size of the company, you're going to have data in different areas of your business. Some of that data, and I'm just making sure, I'm kind of trying to reiterate sure. here to make sure I did understand what you're saying. Some of that data may be related. Some of it may be related, but not directly related. But there are still some data that applies to that data in other areas of the business. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what your program does or your platform does is that it takes your data and it essentially extracts the data from the various data repositories that are out there. It transforms that data and it makes it more relatable between the two different, for instance, locations of that data or the different data types. Maybe you've got data in different databases and it brings it all together into one uniform data repository. Yeah. And then it allows the end user to simply take this transformed data and then use that data to write their own queries or their own reports. Yeah, yeah. The, without the query part. So actually, no, that's great. I, I really like your, your description. I'm just going to put some examples to that. Um, so sure. we have, we have a, a customer in the gaming world. They have some customer data. They also have data that's coming from Facebook. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, if you just pull both the, the, data, the, the data sets together, they're not necessarily compatible. But to actually 
make sense of it. You need to look at it in, to, uh, in, uh, in a holistic way. And so we provide a super simple way to do that stuff. Another example is we have a, a client that uh, provides online health services. They have an app. They have people logging into their website. They have video content that they offer. And they also provide some coaching sessions and offline coaching sessions or like Zoom coaching sessions or something. And so the business management, they want to know how engaged their, their customers are. And to actually look at engagement, you, you can't look at those isolated things. You have to look at it in a holistic way. To get to from those isolated coaching videos watched, app login, things like that, to get from there to looking at one data set that has all that information, that is some serious work um, that would you know, take some engineering effort. We basically eliminate the need for all of that. It's just a couple of clicks and you can, you can bring your data together and, and look at it right away. And so we empower, we empower the business user to do it themselves, essentially. I'm, I'm curious of the, the performance as far as that uh, transformative process that you're talking about with the various different data elements coming from different locations, Facebook or a local database. When your end user is dragging and dropping their various files and fields, what is, is, is the data already been transformed on the background? So they're basically just using a, uh, are, are they reaching out to a data warehouse and then uh, pulling yeah. in their files and fields from there? Or is the actual ETL or extraction transform load process happening on the fly? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the, yeah, the ETL is an interesting phase, right? So ETL, just to explain to your audience, is sure. this ability to, ETL stands for extract, transform, load, as, as you mentioned, is the ability to sort of pull data out, do stuff to it. And the, the concept of garbage in, garbage out uh, comes in here because you don't want to make sense of the source data. You want to do stuff to it, like transform it in some way. And then load could be various things like from visualization to putting in a warehouse and things like that. We've changed the paradigm a little bit on how that's done. We haven't sort of looked at the past on how things should be. We're not looking at the past at how things were done. We're looking at how things should be. And we provide a way for the business users to be highly experimental with their transformation. So by the time the management gets it, they don't have to worry about all this ETL stuff. They get it in the right way, pretty charts, all that stuff. Right. But that ETL part is what we've democratized instead of that part being relegated to the technical person, data scientist or the data engineer. We've taken that and said, hey, business user, you can do it yourself. And so performance wise, you know, we're, it's just a very, it's sort of a, an interface behind a really powerful system. So it's, it's a heavily, it performs really well, basically. And it's, it's cloud-based is what you were saying. So there's not a lot of need on the users in to invest in high-end servers or have anything super, super powerful in-house. Are you maintaining that load on, on your end? And they're simply bringing the data in or do they, as the users using your platform need to have some, some really powerful BI type servers? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good, good question. You know, that's exactly what we're trying to solve. So it, it, all the processing is done on the cloud, which brings up a great sort of 
story. I remember back in the day, all this stuff was done in Excel, you know, I mean, it's still done in Excel for most people. And the analyst who was doing some of this work, I remember he spends a couple of hours just pulling data from all these different places and putting into this Excel sheet. And that Excel sheet has like tons of calculations. And and then he presses like F something, F4, F5 or something. And it's, and then he goes and grabs a coffee because his computer is completely frozen <laughs> right. uh, for half and half an hour. He'll come back yep. and he hope he hopes for the best because if whatever calculation, all this stuff that he did was not right, then he just, you know, then it's another coffee break right away. So to an- answer your question, the, all the processing is done in the cloud. When you click a bu- button that says process, it's, you know, it's, it's instantaneous. Plus, even if it takes long, it's not hogging up your machine. And seeing that's cool too, because like you say, your your entire machine is locked up when you're trying to do something massive in Excel, and and really massive, not even the term. It can be just kind of relatively large in Excel. Do some calculations with I don't know twenty six uh, to thirty columns or fields and twenty thousand records, and that can sit there and crank and crank and crank for an infinite amount of time. And if it bombs or it doesn't come back if it's not completed. Or whatever, like you say, there might be a calculation that's slightly wrong. Yeah, yeah. All that, all that time is wasted, and you can't even like surf the internet or nothing. I mean, you're just, your your machine is stuck. Yeah, you know, Excel was invented in the '80s, right? I mean, it's still so, and and we've moved on. Like the, I mean, the world of data has moved on. I mean, in a very unprecedented way, mm-hmm. and the, the amount of data that's generated is is just it's mind blowing. And ultimately, you know, the companies that will be able to weather the storms or even be stay competitive or or do well are the ones who will be able to act on their data and you know if you're stuck with a with a uh, tools that were was built in the 80s to handle the data needs for today then then that's that's not a good thing yeah it's like it's, it's kind of like using an abacus you know to yeah. uh, to keep track of everything as compared to a calculator in, you know in the 80s so is it web based? It's cloud based. Yeah, it's web based. Yeah, it's just there's no there's no installation, uh, nothing. You just start using it. I mean, obviously, you have to. We provide ways to connect to all your sources. It's a very non disruptive sort of platform as well. It doesn't affect any of your existing infrastructures or data warehouses or data lakes. It doesn't affect any of that stuff. It's just this layer that sits on top and uh, provides the users with their own perspective on data without affecting the underlying sort of structure of things. Gotcha. So and once, once, once people are able to get what they want, then they can take that view, if you will, mm-hmm. and either put that in the visualization world or like put that into another warehouse that's, that has the clean data or, or the consolidated data. But yeah, we just make that process, that, that data journey of, of pulling data together to get into insights, just way smoother, frictionless. So what kind of setup is required on the user's side? Do we need to have, as users, do we need to format our data a specific way? Is, are, are there different templates that you require for the data to be set up in before uploading to your platform? Or what, what responsibility is on the user there in order to get their data ready for your platform? We've put in a lot of effort in trying to make sure that there's almost nothing the user has to do 
you can just pull in all kinds of stuff. And we provide ways. If, if the system is confused, then we'll ask the user, hey, is this right? Like, or what are the rules you need to, to get to the, the desired state? That's that initial sort of where does your data reside? Like what's the structure? But then even once you pull it in, it might, everything might look great. But in reality, it might not be really right. I mean, an example, you know, we we're working with some point of sale systems data. And this is one brand in, in Honolulu that they own a couple of cupcake stores. And um, there's one guy named Matthew in one store and Matt in another store. And he's the same guy, but then in the different stores, it's registered differently. So if you want to look at Matthew's performance, you know, you need to like blend that together. Uh, they spell items differently in the different stores. Again, if you want to look at all these different items that are being sold and look at their performance, you got to deal with that. Right. We provide ways to deal with that in seconds, minutes, or even just with a couple of clicks. So yeah, that's, that's, so we, we help as much as we can. The one restriction is, we, you know, you can't upload PDF files or Word documents and things like that. Like it, it needs to be in a uh, tabular form or some kind of like um, structure, um, you know, where there's a key value kind of a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But other than that, we're, we're super flexible. It sounds amazing. I'd actually like to see it in action. I think that'd be yeah. really, really cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, we, we're, we're now at the stage where we're really trying to evangelize. We, we were kind of in stealth mode for a while. I got you. So. Okay. So is that one of the reasons that you're, you're, you're participating today is to kind of get it out there and start spreading the word? Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. so just the, the company journey was, you know, we struggled with this. I mean, it, this is, it's a hard problem to solve, you know? Sure. It's not, it's not one problem. It is, there's, how do you bring data together? How do you clean it up? How do you allow for tools to analyze? How do you visualize? There are a lot of problems um, or, or barriers that, that we came across. And now every company, every startup journey hits roadblocks, you know, and we had our fair share enough where we were like, you know, we were put to this real test of how do we do this? How do we move forward? And the key point to this is, you know, if you are able to persevere through that, those difficult roadblock moments, and if you have the right team around you, to be able to do that, that really is the, is the key to success. And, and it took us a while, A, to realize that, B, to actually, it takes time regardless of whether you have the right team or not, just to solve some of these problems. We got to this stage after a couple of years where we're like, okay, we have a product, you know, and we really wanted to evangelize it. Uh, we thought, okay, let's just create this free version and, or like a super cheap version where people can start using it. But then that, the general term for that is go-to-market. What's your go-to-market strategy? Is it going to be a, have a low-cost product out there where you need hundreds of thousands of people to be able to sustain the company? Or should it be more of a top-down world where you tie up with a couple of one or two or maybe 10 different big corporations who will pay you the same amount as 5,000 people would in the low-cost model? So. We, we had to decide which direction to go to, at least to start off with. So we started off with the, the direct sale model. We have a couple of marquee clients and it's, we, we had a test start, sort of a testing period, making sure that there's always a teething period where you kind of get things right. And so from the customer signing on to them starting to use it, initially it took us maybe a month. Now, any customer that signs up, 
it takes them like a day or two to get running, you know? So, so it was, impo- it was important for us to get through that stage. And so the, the further we're going, we're realizing that now we can make this product more accessible to the broader community. We could lower the pricing. And so, yeah, we're just sort of taking these baby steps to start evangelizing. We want to go full throttle fairly soon, but uh, not just yet. So what size business is your primary target? Would it be smaller to mid, mid to mid-size, mid to large? It's mid-size onwards, mid-size onwards, okay. basically. Okay. Uh, is there like a user max on the platform? No, no. The way the pricing model works is based on volume of data okay. and the processing that's done. So you might have a million rows and that needs to be processed once a month, or you might have 10,000 rows that needs to be processed every minute. So it changes a little bit, but uh, we, we've made it really simple for at least that's how our customers have been responding to it. It's, it's a fairly simple pricing model. Cool deal. So where do you see it going in the very near future? Like what, what are your, what are you looking at for 2021? Are you looking to continue your, your tour of evangelism of the product or do you have something else in mind? Yeah, good question. We, you know, we need to get certain metrics going in a company. And the metrics come in various forms. It could be, I mean, there's a revenue, that's a simple metric, but then there's also how our customers are engaged. There's a general term called churn. They, they leave the product or not. So far, everyone's not only signed up, but the ones that signed up want more access. So, you know, it's, it's a very sticky product. And, and so we're just trying to gather those metrics over the next couple of months. And we will, over time, start lowering the the pricing access uh, and, and sorry make it more accessible so 2021 in general we would ideally like to have a very low cost model out at some point we're not sure exactly when i love everything that you're talking about i love the approach that it sounds like you're taking and i think people if they have the opportunity to see it and see it in action yep it sounds like something that is it would definitely fill a gap out there in the data industry and bring more insight into individuals' businesses that they wouldn't see without a tool very similar to this. Because, you know, like you said, we're not in 1918 anymore. And the data that we have is so robust and it's so readily available. It's being tracked on so many different levels taking that, making sense of it, and allowing the users to make informed, educated business decisions with that data is such a key factor in success in the very, very near future. You need to start it today. It's something that you need to adopt. And uh, I think what you're doing is is phenomenal. It sounds like you're taking a great approach at it. And I'm glad that I'm helping you get that message out there because I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, no, thanks, Larry. I mean, you, I feel like you asked some really good questions. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're well, I mean, you can tell you're kind of well-versed in this, in this field. So I'm glad you're able to articulate some of this stuff. And it's, you know, some of it gets complex, but we ultimately our general message is simplicity, how simple can we make it? And at the same time, not lose that ability to, or not lose that power because you can do a lot of stuff with data and, and we want to be able to give that power to people to make decisions. You can yeah. move mountains, you know, and, but at the same time, 
you want the right people making decisions. And the key to that is uh, simplicity. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the, the company is, um, it's called Mammoth Analytics. Okay. The website is mammoth.io. So that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H dot I-O. If there's anyone listening who has data problems, we become very engaged with whoever we're talking to. And uh, we'd love to just solve problems and just help you out. That sounds tremendous. I'll definitely be checking it out sometime today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to head over there and, great. and see what it's all about. So go Rev. Thank you so very much for joining me this morning. This has been great. We got to wrap it up because I see old Jacob's coming at us going, guys, wrap it up. You only have five minutes. And that was about two minutes ago. So we're, we're down to the wire, but Mammoth Analytics, everybody check it out for all of your data needs. Sounds like it's a tremendous product and I can't wait to see it. Great. Thanks, Aaron. You could be larger than life.